the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the tagger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass. Rush down the pocket. Throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Friday the 26th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Icewinter, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Good morning, fellas. Good, Good morning. morning. How are we doing on this Friday, Park? You had a little significantly uh, shorter commute today. Yeah, it was a uh, banner day yesterday. Fully moved in, officially a... You're still almost late. Just well... Kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Gotta, gotta get acclimated, you know. That is true. Hey, it's a long, take, it's a long drive. He's got to figure out. Long, arduous. Well, just wait, dude. Just wait until you're just like a minute off here, or there, and then boom, you're behind 15 school buses. Boom, <laughs> you're behind four dump trucks that are not moving, are not getting over. So you'll be fine. You'll figure it out. Yeah. But it was a good move. It was a great move. Yeah, good. we did a, we did really good work yesterday. Shout out to Mama and Papa Stone yesterday. Came through and helped get everything lined out, and they got back to the. City of Covington at about 8 o'clock last night. Not bad. This isn't terrible. It's about a three-hour commute down. So we did a lot of good work yesterday. Everything got put into place, taken care of. And, yeah, we did a great day. And Boston won last night, too, to cap it off. So you, you can't you can't write a day better than that. And officially being now a resident of the city of Martinsburg, which is pretty cool. Where'd they, uh, where'd they take you to dinner? Uh, we went to Cracker Barrel, actually. Nice. Yeah, we went over that way. Classic, classic move. Of course. Classic you got to get move. the breakfast. I'm all in on the... Uh, was it the Mama's Breakfast Platter or something like that? Or the Big Farmer's Big Breakfast? Yeah. Yeah, those are Come really on. good. The crazy thing is we, none of us, well, Mom and Dad had breakfast that morning. I hadn't ate all day until then. You're nervous, man. You had stuff going on. I was on. just rolling. You I had to focus. I didn't you didn't have time to eat. Yeah, but that was it. That was the only meal I had yesterday. So mm. that, thankfully I can think and eat today, which is going to be nice. <laughs> Thank goodness you were able to make it here. I know. Malnourished Stone. Malnourished. Yeah. Malnourished Parker Stone. But yeah. Anyways, well, congratulations, I think, uh, is in order. But anyways, let's talk a little baseball. We'll start with the Orioles losing or winning, rather, 3-1 to one to the Yankees uh, on seven hits, uh, an eighth inning, two-run streak, got him over the top. And, well, these Orioles, talk about streaks. They're streaking right now, man. They've been playing some great baseball, and it doesn't look like it's going to be stopping anytime soon. Yeah, they're doing this thing. I mean, they're getting hits up and down the lineup. They're getting production out of all their their, their pitches in their rotation. And not to mention, again, I've said it a billion times, that John Means is going to come back at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, you just beat the Yankees in a best-of-three series. You took two out of three. I know it's it's a, it's a struggling Yankee team, but you're continuing that struggle for them by at least three more games. So, uh, you couldn't be happier if you're an Orioles fan right now. They talked about that Blue Jays series over the weekend as, for me, kind of the definitive we're still here moment for the Orioles, and this is just another one to that. I mean, you know, as we sit here in May, I don't want to just go ahead and say that I think they're going to be a playoff team, but there's not much more this team needs to do to convince me that they're going to be a playoff team after they're fending off the other competition in the American League East, with the exception of Tampa, who are going to be a tough team to catch. It's not going to be a surprise of every single 
uh, wild card team comes out of this division, and it's certainly not going to be a surprise if the Orioles are one of them. And the big thing is, too, you look at the box score, they three hit the New York Yankees, which is great. Gleyber Torres goes one for four, and then Calhoun goes two for three. You blank Aaron Judge goes 0 for 3. You blank Anthony Volpe goes 0 for 4. Rezzo 0 for 4. Bader 0 for 3. Cabrera 0 for 3. The pitching is picking up for Baltimore. Gibson goes 7 innings, only allowing 2 hits, strikes out 3, but he walks 4 is the only nitpick you can really pull out of that. And again, I think Baltimore has arguably two of the best relief pitchers in baseball right now in Felix Bautista and Yenier Cano. Cano got the save yesterday in relief. And the pitching's coming together. The bats were already there. The pieces are coming together for Baltimore. They're setting up themselves with a good lead in the American League East. Taking this series is huge because now you sit yourself. They are the top wild card team in the American League right now. They keep this momentum going after the All-Star break. That's, I think, going to be the big question now. Is this just a first-half surge for Baltimore, and are things going to maybe slip down a little bit once the Yankees get a little bit healthier, once Toronto kind of tries to right the ship? I don't think Boston's really in contention for a wild-card spot right now. I think this is more of a rebuilding year for the Red Sox. But the other teams in the American League, like the Seattle Mariners, like a team out in with the Angels, can they have a competitive second half? You've got the Rangers who are playing good baseball right now. Can they keep this momentum after the All-Star break? I think is the next big question Orioles fans need to ask. Because the talent's there. The team's there. The bats are good. The pitching's coming together. Can they do this after the All-Star break? I think it's the big question not to ask. It's always the question with the Orioles is if they can do it after the All-Star break. I think that's what everybody's kind of waiting to see if they can avoid that pretty normal collapse. But they have a tough series against the Rangers coming up. And their last game was on Wednesday, a 3-2 win over now struggling Pirates. But 31-18, and 18, these Rangers, they are winning slugfest. They're hitting the ball like crazy. And like you said, Luke, it's going to come down to this Orioles pitching if they can hang in there. Absolutely. Uh, and the Rangers are a team that spent a lot of money, and at some point it's going to have to pay off for them. And it, it seems like early on this season they're having a little bit more success. But pitching is a big part of that. You mentioned Yunir Cano, and I don't have the story in front of me. And on a later show we can circle back to it. Somebody kind of posted his biography the other day. Somebody that... Uh, missed a lot of his young prime because he had to play or, or serve in the army in Cuba. Tried to defect, wasn't able to do so, and had a really circuitous route to the major leagues. Finally was able to do so after, unfortunately, the death of his parents. He's got a, an unbelievable story and is part of a bullpen with Felix Batista, like you alluded to, Parker, that is a really talented back-end weapon for this Orioles team. Great baseball teams have not just that closer that can come in and slam the door, but the guy that can get you there. You know, it's not 1985 anymore. Starters are going out after six innings. If you have a bridge guy that can get you to a closer like Bautista, that, that puts you in a really good position to succeed. You want to have a team that has a 75-80% winning percentage when leading by a run or two past the seventh inning. And with the guys that they have in the back of the bullpen right now, they're able to do that. And that kind of strikes fear in the opponent's hearts. we got to get something going now before we have to face these guys in a tied game or down uh, in the eighth and ninth inning. And it's a long time coming because of all the pieces that are fitting together for the Orioles right now. Uh, one of the most important, although sometimes underlooked, are the guys they have at the back of that bullpen. And Cano got called up at age 28, as you alluded to. He had to wait a little bit. He was a part of the Minnesota Twins roster. Then he comes up over in last year's trade deadline deal for Jorge Lopez, which people were scratching their head. Why would you trade Jorge Lopez? He was one of the best closer, closing pitchers in baseball when he was dealt at the deadline last year for Baltimore. It's looking like it's a slam dunk trade now because now you have Yenier Cano, who's having a fantastic season. 
Felix Bautista opened up, had a great second half in the closers role, and is arguably the best closer in baseball right now. And it's a big win in a trade. You wish Cano could have done this maybe five years earlier and you can have the best one-two punch in baseball for a long, long time. But still, he's only age 29, and relief pitchers can go a long time in the majors too, which is also a thing benefiting Yenier Cano. And again, I think it's the best one-two punch in relief pitching in baseball right now. These two guys have been absolutely dominant throughout the first half of this season. Well, the Orioles got the Rangers coming to town. First game of the series, a three-game series, is today. 7.05 first pitch. We'll have it right here on WPM and WCST. The Panhandle News Network. Quickly, the uh, – um, I almost said the Wizards. The Nationals played yesterday as well. They almost came back and beat the uh, Padres. Padres end up winning 8-6, a five-run seventh for the uh, Nationals. It was a heck of a run. I think they had eight straight hits in a row to get that five those five runs. But then a three-run ninth – which completely broke me uh, in the top of the ninth inning for San Diego gets them the win, eight to six, and the Nationals' record moves to twenty-one and twenty-nine. So shout out to them. But talk about talk about you know waiting on the eventual collapse potential of a, of an eventual collapse with the Orioles. My goodness, Luke, it looks like West Virginia baseball has certainly <laughs> collapsed here in the uh, Big Twelve tournament. They lose three to two. Oklahoma State last night. Oklahoma State gets two runs in the first and one run in the eighth to take that three to two win. I mean, the way it's looking right now, there's, I mean, no way they should get the home field. Uh, they should be able to host the region, and it doesn't seem like they're going to make it very far, anyways. Yeah, they don't deserve to at this point. The way they've ended the season, I will say this, and it's not my own opinion; it's other people's opinion that people are still holding out hope that they can get that host bid for the NCAA regional. But like I said, I don't think they deserve it. They've lost five in a row. And as Kevin Kinder said on Mech News Hotline yesterday, they have not had a lead in a baseball game in 11 days. Oof. And, you know, That's you just rough. can't play competitive. The pitching is completely falling apart. But with it, you know, they haven't been able to rely on hits up and down the lineup like they were able to. J.J. Weatherholt, we talked about how slumped he was coming into the game yesterday, reaches base four times uh, and only scores once. I mean, that just It just can't happen in decisive games like this. West Virginia had a great opportunity because the, the teams that they had shared the co-title with in the Big 12 had lost as well, including Texas. And Texas is already out of the tournament, if I'm correct. That if they would have strung together a couple of wins in this tournament, could have gotten right back into the conversation of hosting a regional. They didn't even need to win the tournament. They probably just needed to win two games. And they weren't able to even win one. Back-to-back years now that they've lost both of their games in the Big 12 tournament, so they're over for their last five, counting when they got knocked out the year before in 2019 in the title game, uh, which and they haven't been able to win since they've moved it to Globe Life either. I'm sure a major league ballpark has something to do with that, but they beat Pitt at PNC, so right. I shouldn't say that either. I was uh, pleased with what I saw from Ben Hampton because I'm scared to de- my my thing is I'm scared to death of this pitching staff. I think and I said this on yesterday's show that they've just been beaten into the ground with all the innings that they've thrown and they don't have anything left. So it was it was pleasing to see Ben Hampton, who they said had been dealing with an illness, and I had said that I interpreted that as him being hurt. He he threw well yesterday. Both of the runs he gave up were unearned, so that was promising because he's probably going to start the first game of the regional if he's able to turn around quick enough. Uh, but after that, you've got Traxel, who got touched up a little bit, and then I don't know what they're going to do with the rest of their starters. They they threw Hageman, their setup guy, as a starter in the first game of the tournament. They could move Carlson Reed back to the rotation, but for whatever reason, he seems to struggle in that role, even though he has starter-like stuff. So I, I, you're right, I'm very concerned that this team could get bounced very quickly from a regional and, and just go full stop on what was a great season that has so much talent 
and so much potential to see it unravel in a very, very short period of time just because they seem to have run out of gas at the end of the season. They're going to have to find another well of energy. And the big thing, too, I think it's a good thing for West Virginia that Texas also went two and done in mm-hmm. this tournament. They did lose to Kansas State yesterday, six to nothing. So they get shut out, the number one seed. Kansas State playing good ball right now. Yeah, they're they're good. So the two teams in the winners bracket side of the semifinal, four seed TCU, they beat Kansas 14. They mercy ruled Kansas yesterday. And then Texas Tech beat Oklahoma in a nail biter, 10 to nine. So Texas Tech, the sixth seed, TCU, the fourth seed, are remaining in the winners bracket. In the loser side, it'll be Kansas State and Kansas in an elimination game. That ought to be a fun one. And then Oklahoma State, Oklahoma will also be an elimination game as well. And those two teams will advance to those sides of the bracket and go from there. But it's just just a weird end, a weird wacky end to West Virginia's regular season and into the Big 12 tournament. They, they got to find a way to turn it around, whether that's a re-energizing of them or just a little bit of rest before they get into play. Hey, they need a shot in the arm or something because something's not right with this team, and it would be and uh, it would be a top tier level of disappointment if you have the season you had one time the number six ranked team in the nation getting bounced that quick in the NCAA tournament. That would that would just put the cap on what's been just a roller coaster of emotions of season. I think for West Virginia University sports is the best way I could put it. Well, you can get in touch with us. Text us 304-263-4321. What are you watching this weekend? What games are you keeping an eye on? Let us know. 304-263-4321. Coming up here after a little while, we'll be speaking with Musselman Girls basketball coach Tim Potter. Uh, be after the bottom of the hour break, but we got more to talk about after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Sports Live with Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Tweet the guys at EP Sports Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live. I'm Jordan Ice Warner alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Uh, so before we get to our bottom of the hour break, and don't forget coming up at the or after the bottom of the hour break, we'll be speaking with Musman Girls basketball coach Tim Potter. But before that, uh, speaking of high school sports, there's a uh, pretty big showcase going on today in Martinsburg. Yeah, there is. It was uh, interesting. There was a big showcase that happened, unfortunately, the same day of the West Virginia Broadcaster Association's awards that we weren't able to go to and uh, that Coldfields put on in Morgantown. Got to see some tape from that. It looks like some EPAC schools are going to be doing that today mm-hmm. at Martinsburg High School. Uh, it's going to be the big five. It looks like actually one of them might have dropped out. Um but they'll be on display kind of going through the reps. It's unaffiliated, I believe, with the high schools because I don't think right. they're allowed to. Uh, but they're just going to be going out, going through some drills, and hopefully an opportunity for us to get some content and get some tapes. So if we get some pretty relevant content from that, um, we'll put it on our Twitter. If not, we'll have some tape that we'll play back on Monday's show, I'm, sh- I'm sure. But, you know, different storylines with all of these teams as as we look coming into this season. Martin Spurs got the return, obviously, of Dave Walker, a new balance of power between him and Britt Sherman, but all of the athletes that they have still say that they're one of the best teams in the entire state, if not the best team in the entire state. Musselman's making a change at quarterback. You know, just talking to Coach Thomas, they have a couple of options that they like and some pretty key playmakers, but when you lose a guy like Baden Hartman and you lose Ray Adamas, who's a Division One caliber wide receiver, there's certainly going to be some holes to fill, and one of those holes is certainly going to be filled uh, by Troy Wollaston, who pound for pound might be the most talented player mm-hmm. in the panhandle, not named Keyshawn Robinson coming well, what, into the season. What was his injury? 
Uh, it was a torn was a, a torn. I think it was a torn meniscus. If I'm right, I can't that, remember. That always will put a little question mark on. But it. to be fair to him, when we saw him right at the end of basketball season, he mm. was moving very, very well. True. Uh, Spring Mills, you know, they've got a very talented defense, and one might say one of the more talented dual threat quarterbacks in the state. And Max Anderson, the same to be said with Dylan Harrich and from of Jefferson. And Spring Mills and Jefferson are practicing simultaneously, so hopefully we'll get to see them go head to head a little bit. And of course, Keyshawn Robinson's the most talented receiver in the state coming into this season. Uh, and then Hedgesville. Hedgesville also is without Jackson Rue West, but they've got some some high-end talent at receiver, have to replace some big holes in their offensive line, but they had to do that last year with injuries. So um, it's going to be fun to watch these games. It looks like the team that's not participating is another team with its own storylines in Washington with a brand-new head coach. Once he goes today, he's, he's tra- maybe he's trying to trying to you know keep it in keep the his, workshop. Keep his cards under his sleeve. Hey, you can something. hide. You can definitely hide down there in Washington <laughs> if you yeah. wanted to. You can definitely hide. But man, I wish there was stuff like this going on when I was in high school. It's such a big deal, man, to be able to you know get out there this early and do stuff. Park me. It's huge. Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's going to give us an idea of where people stand and the teams stand right now for football season come this fall. A little bit of a sneak preview of where maybe coaches' heads are at with things. As mentioned before, there's a storyline with every single team coming into this season. There are a lot of teams are dealing with losses at quarterback. You look at Musselman with Baden Hartman. You look at Hedgesville with Jackson Rue West. You have missing pieces into this next season for every team, and how are they going to replace that? You've got Dave Walker coming back to Martinsburg. That's going to be another uphill battle. The rest of the teams in the EPAC need to fight to knock Martinsburg of what seems like a Mount Everest level of perch right now. Jefferson's coming off. The, being the only team in the AAA playoffs last season to upset a number to go on the road and upset a top seed and go into the second round, how are they going to respond to that? And I want to see how they're going to get Keyshawn Robinson the ball a little bit more this season because I think one of the big question marks we had last year is, I mean, they're spreading the wealth. I understand that. You have Spencer Powell and Isaiah Fritz. Both those guys will not be on the roster this year. Keyshawn Robinson's the guy in that offense now. Evan Tool is not on the roster. They bring in Rodrigo Delgado from Washington by way of transfer. How is he going to fit into that Cougars offense? And really, where is everyone else going to stand at? I want to see where Max Anderson is at a throw as a thrower this season because I really think if Anderson can grow to a, another level as a passer, I think Spring Mills is a playoff team this year. If he take if he stays the same place. I think they're going to be the same spot where they were last year, fighting last week of the season to sneak into the playoffs if they're lucky. But I think it all depends for the Cardinals' sake on how far the arm of Max Anderson takes the Cardinals. Because if the talent's there, if they can open up their offense and have more of a passing aspect, I think that they're going to be a playoff team in 2023. Well, you can keep up with that today over on our Twitter page at EP Sports Network. You can always text us 304 263 Four three two one. If we can, real quick, before we get to the bottom of our break, let's transition to thinking about Musselman girls basketball. Last year, not the season they would have wanted. Five and twelve. It started off pretty good. Well, really, look at their schedule. They were just streaky the whole season. They would get on runs and then it would stop. They would get on a losing streak, then they'd stop it, get on a little run again. Uh, but the final what four games of the season didn't help them too much. Losing four straight to Spring Mills, Washington, Martinsburg. And Jefferson. So, uh, new coach coming in, I believe, right? This is a uh, new coach with Tim Potter? Yeah. Yeah, so brand new coach, Tim Potter, coming in to try and uh, switch things up there at Musselman. What do you think, um, what kind of challenge, per se, does he have ahead of him? Well, it's interesting because the landscape of girls' basketball and the panhandle might be changing a lot next season. 
There's some uncertainty as to how much of the roster from last year, Spring Mills, is going to return now that the transfer portal, of course, is more prevalent <laughs> and girls just maybe wanting to go out of the state and go in the prep school ranks. I know that there's some concern there. You've got a very talented Washington team with underclassmen and Adams and Rivera and the like. Uh, I haven't heard anything about movement from them, but they could be in a similar situation. I like some of the young talent that Martinsburg had. Uh, they all be, they're going to have uh, one of the best big girls in the state coming into next year as well to play her senior season. Uh, so I, it's a it's a vacuum of power that could be created if we see the max exodus, mass exodus at Spring Mills that we're expecting. Um, is Musselman a team that can step into that right away? I don't know. I think that a lot of coaching hires, when you see a team that finishes below 500, and we had this conversation, you know, when we had uh, the new Washington boys coach on a couple of weeks ago. Sometimes schools make these hires not necessarily to say, we want you to win us 15 games next year, but to say, we want you to come in and build a culture yeah. and a program. We want you to stay here for a while uh, and help us succeed. So I, I can't, it's hard to put a, a handle on EPAC girls basketball because we really didn't have one for much of last season. Uh, save the fact that Spring Mills was really good because we thought it was going to be Spring Mills and Jefferson. Then Washington got their underclassmen to turn things around. Uh, and then we had that crazy uh, Martinsburg game in, in the postseason, uh, of course, for the, the the regional that we were at. You know, Martinsburg started to play at a pretty high level at the end of the season. And Hedgesville's a dark horse. You know, I think, if anything, you look at the year that Coach Faircloth had, and it was a bad season. It just, it just was. Mm -hmm. But he was in there to ride the ship. And, and, and just kind of steer them out of the eye of the hurricane. And he got them playing a very high level of defense. If somebody else comes in and takes the foundations that he leaves, Hedgesville could try to get back to competitive basketball in the next couple of years. So, you know, changes at basically every school uh, means that there's going to be a pretty significant power grab. And uh, why not Musselman? I think it might take them a little while, but I'm excited to see what Coach Potter has to say. Well, stick around. We'll be chatting with Coach Potter after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. And joining us on the phone is new Muscleman girls basketball coach, Tim Potter. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Appreciate you taking a little time to chat with us. How's your summer been? Have you uh, hit the ground running? Uh, yeah, I've been really busy behind the scenes, um, working on the schedule, the June camp. Um, we got a three-week period getting ready for... About ready to dive in next week for some conditioning and weightlifting. So there's a lot of things going on. Well, let's talk about the team that you've uh, inherited. So last year, not quite the season. Musselman girls basketball would have won at 5-12 and 12 and a tough end to the season. Four straight losses to uh, regional opponents, Spring Mills, Washington, Martinsburg, and Jefferson. So looking at what uh, you have there, the, there's definitely pieces to build on and to you know, build a great team around. So what are you looking forward to? What are you looking at here with this upcoming season? Um, I, I think an improvement's definitely in the making. Um, I think my first priority is, is building the relationships with the younger players, the older players as well, um, and just getting some more consistency. Everyone on board, some buy-in. I was over to the middle schools, getting them to buy-in. Um, I, I think just the change will be good. I think it'll be a, a good boost for them. And I think just um, 
developing the culture and getting that going will be a big start. Well, Coach, for people unfamiliar with your bio, kind of give everybody uh, your background, where you're from, and kind of your coaching uh, tree or progression up until this point. Um, so I'm kind of that hometown boy. I'm a Muscleman kid myself. Um, I was a player there for four years. I played under Coach Basile, who's still there. <laughs> um, so it was nice to get an experience there those four years. Um, also coaching, this is year 10 coaching for me. Um, I spent seven years alongside the boys program. Um, a lot of success over the years there. I joined um, Spring Mills Girls for a year. Um, and then last year I actually came on board with this girls program. So it was nice to kind of, it was a rough ending to the season, but I think uh, sky's the limit. And it was a nice, uh, it was nice to develop those relationships with some of those girls already to kind of have a little foundation. Well, Coach, we always enjoy asking people that have been around this area for a long time kind of what they've seen the evolution of, of basketball become in the Eastern Panhandle. There's obviously more schools than there were 15 years ago, uh, but there's more people in the county as well from a talent standpoint, uh, from a competition standpoint, and, and both boys and, and girls hoops, if you'd like to get into it, how have you kind of seen the Eastern Panhandle grow into what it is now with the very talented teams that play here? Um, well, I think it's it's a big balance. I think there's a balance. Um, this year, I, I think it'll be pretty wide open. I, I mean, last year, Spring Mills had a lot of success. Um, but I think for the most part, uh, it, you're seeing kids transfer now. There's now the transfer portal that's now going to be a thing. I'm sure that'll play a role. You're seeing it now with college. Um, so it'll be interesting watch, watching that um, develop and unfold. Um, but I'm really looking forward to it. I think the girls are ready to go. Uh, I think they're excited. Uh, I think it's I think it's going to be a pretty competitive uh, conference this year. I think boys and girls. Coach, it was a five-win season for the Appleman girls team last year, and a big thing I want to take away is, of course, we've mentioned the big question mark around a lot of the teams really in the girls' side of EPAC basketball coming into next season. What's the one thing you want to establish with this Musselman girls team coming into next season? I think uh, buy-in and consistency is a huge one. Um, I think getting buy-in and developing those relationships and getting them in routine, uh, um, I think is a big start and it's a big key for me personally and the coaching staff. Um, the off-season, I'm really big on the off-season. Um, that's where you get better. I think it's really important to get these girls to, to buy in and play and get the reps in to, to develop and get ready. Um, and, and coach, obviously, coaches always answer this question the same way you coach the hands you're dealt. But for you, stylistically, if you had your way as a head coach, what's the kind of offensive and defensive way you would like to see the Lady Appleman play next year? Well, I'm a very defensive-minded coach personally, and I'm a big believer in defense first and effort because that's guaranteed. Um, offense is not guaranteed, and what I mean by that is there's going to be nights where we're going to have an off-shooting night. So. I've always been a believer in the little things like playing hard on defense, effort, um, grabbing the rebounds, just things like that, hustle plays. I, I think that can kickstart your offense. Um, but I'm looking for more, most likely a fast tempo if, if things go my way, and I think we're just going to get after it. I think we're going to play hard. We're speaking with Tim Potter, new Muscleman girls basketball coach, and you mentioned it kind of briefly, but you have this one, this free transfer one-year rule now that uh, has really opened and changed things here in the state of West Virginia. And, of course, you see how wild the world is with the transfer portal in the college ranks. Do you think it's going to be that big of a deal here in West Virginia, specifically here in the panhandle with how close schools are and people and kids could transfer fairly easily without really having to move? Is it going to make that much of an impact, do you think? Uh 
this year I think it's going to be more of a trial. I think you're going to see a couple. Um, but I think I could see it over time possibly becoming more of a thing uh, because that is a pretty big game changer. And I think because you add that recruiting factor to an extent uh, now, um, I have no desire to really tap into that really this year. I'm really content with, with what I have. I think there's a lot of pieces to work with, and I've, I think we'll be okay. Well, Coach, can you highlight some of those pieces? Obviously, lost a couple of seniors from last year's team, and like you said, a bit of a mixed bag that had a little bit of a disappointing end of the season. Uh, feel free to shout out as many as you like. Who are some of the Lady Appleman that you're expecting to take a big step and potentially lead you guys to some more success next year? Uh, I look for Sarah Price to step up some. Um, she's a very vocal leader. Um, I'm looking for Elena Funkhauser uh, to step in a role. Um, Sierra did a lot of really good things for us. Um, there, there's a lot of pieces. I, I'd be shouting out names all day. I, I really like the young class um, coming in. That'll be sophomores. Uh, but I don't want to spend all day mentioning names. Um, but really, I just think it's more – I don't think it's more about an individual role. I, I think I'm going to really go after getting, – just getting everyone to buy in and a team effort and not really make it as much about individuality. Uh, and, Coach, a little bit of a difficult question to answer here potentially, but we've seen a lot of turnover, more so on the boys' side of things, but in the girls' side of things, in head coaching roles. Guys kind of stick around for a couple of years, uh, leave for greener pastures or leave for whatever reason. Is uh, part of the appeal of you stepping into this job, like you mentioned, a hometown kid? I mean, are, are you interested in putting down roots and, and making this a long-term commitment to, to the Musman girls' basketball program? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm all in. Uh, I plan on fully intending to be here for a while. Um, not to throw the age out there, but I'm 30, so I'm relatively young and ready to, and hungry to, to really get an establishment here. Um, there's been a lot of pieces, I think, with Muslim girls basketball over the years, even since I was in school. Um, I think it'll be good to have more consistency with, with coaches there instead of a revolving door. Coach Elliott did a lot of uh, good things. He was here for a little while, um, but if you go back before that, it, it's been kind of it's been tough to find coaches that. And we're speaking with Tim Potter, new Musselman girls basketball coach. Coach, thanks for taking a little time to chat with us this morning on Panhandle Sports Live. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Coach. And that's Tim Potter, new Musselman girls basketball coach. Missed any of that conversation, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. You know, the more I think about the uh, West Virginia high school transfer portal and recruiting and stuff, the more it kind of weirds me out thinking that people could potentially be going to, like, Sixth grade, sixth grade basketball games to like recruit, you <laughs> know, Scouting, yeah. or like going to a pee wee football game. Be like, man, this kid in five years when he's in fifth grade, we got to get him. He's gonna be well, good. I think my takeaway from that is what Coach Potter said is like, I'm gonna wait and see how this plays. See what out. it's all about. And I have a feeling mm -hmm. a lot of coaches are gonna be like that. But then you're gonna have a handful of coaches that are gonna be like showing up the not showing up the practices, but you know what I mean. Oh, like yeah. they're gonna oh, be yeah. all They'll over be looking, this yeah. right away. Assistant coaches sending out texts, sending out you know graphics like they were recruiting a college kid showing and, up to house for a eight-year-old <laughs> sit down to talk to the parents it, it's <laughs> oh, it's going to be different and I, I like the response from coach if, if it were me I'd probably do the same thing kind of wait hang on to the players that I had and then just kind of see how this is going to shape up maybe it isn't going to be a big deal but you know that there's going to be uh, a little bit of craziness a little bit of horse trading I don't know if it's going to happen in the panhandle but it's going to happen all over the state and I like oh, yeah. what I heard I always like when a coach is fired up about classes that they have coming in 
You know, I mean, I know that he's probably going to say that anyways, but, you know, the, the middle school systems and the feeder programs to these schools, and you get the right coach to, to mature and grow that talent, it's really exciting. We had that same conversation about Washington the other day, a couple of kids coming up through the system, and, of course, they already have the likes of Dolman. You know, there were some younger girls on that Muslim and girls basketball team. You put some new face, fresh, fresh faces in there. Uh, and it's going to be a really, really, really fun season. And we go back to what this Washington girls team last year was under Coach Edwards. How high were the expectations last year that we really had for them to compete a little bit? Because we all pegged probably Jefferson to be coming out of that Jefferson side and being the top team in that division. But here comes Washington with young pieces like Rivera, like Adams, and they lead this team to go to the state tournament. Could this be Musselman next year? Because we've once again brought up the question marks with spring mills how much of that roster is coming back we don't know and we probably won't know till game one of the season what is going to come back for that cardinals roster but washington's bringing back a lot of young pieces and you heard coach potter talk about the young young people that he's got coming up on this roster could this be another washington situation where this team comes up from the ashes has a really strong season and goes into the postseason with a lot of momentum and fire behind them and gets to the state tournament, and that all comes to play have how Coach Potter's going to have his team play. From what he sounds like, he's going to have him play tough, hard defense and really rally, and that's the type of coaching you want to get behind, and that could lead them to potentially making a run when no one expects it. You can get in touch with us, 304-263-4321. Anybody's, nobody's talkative today, fellas. Anybody want to chat with us on the text line? But you can text I, us. Probably everybody's on the road for I did get, three, four, three, two, one. I, We did get a message from the legendary baseball in the Mountain State. Nice. I only scanned through it. I'll read it if you like because sure. he, he quoted Bill Parcells. So just there we go. Love that. You know, I, all I saw was to quote Bill Parcells, and then we had the interview. So <laughs> uh, his response, I believe this was to our conversation about high school coaching right before the break. High school sports can be tough on coaches if it's only measured in wins and losses. I agree. Uh, I think there are many more factors. To quote Bill Parcells, if they want you to cook the dinner, at least they ought to let you shop for some of the groceries. In high school sports, okay. you don't get to grocery shop. You get to cook with or you cook with what you have. The transfer portal could really change that, though. Time will tell. I agree with a lot of what he had to say. Um, I, I came over right before I, I was working here in the Eastern Panhandle. I spent a lot of time with the Clay Battelle football team. Um, and coach Ryan Wilson. And he's somebody that every once in a while falls out of the good graces of the community because they don't, they, they went through a playoff drought and then they went through a long time where they get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. And, you know, high school parents all think that their kid is going to be, you know, the next Tim Tebow. So they want to hold him to a higher standard. But the, the commitments he makes to that program, you know, transcend just his wins and losses. You know, he feeds kids, takes care of them off the field. He's like a father figure. You know, that's what's important about high school coaching, not just winning games. I know winning's important, and communities have much more fun when they've got a successful team to root for. Just look at Martinsburg. But, you know, when we had this on with, with Coach Walker when he came back, he said, you know, he didn't want to talk as much about, well, we're going to reload and win another state championship. It was, I want to be able to get back to affecting kids' lives in a positive way like I did in high school because I didn't feel like I could do that in college. You know, and coaches do it in very different ways. You've got, you know, frankly, the, the older wisdom of some of the coaches out here, you know, in Kelly Church and Dave Rogers in Martinsburg. And in Coach Potter's perspective, it's uh, I'm only 12 or 15 years older than some of my players. You know, yeah. it's a little bit more of a, a closer generation wise uh, level of experience. So, I, I mean, this is that was more so about the transfer portals, what I think baseball in the Mountain State meant. But to add to that point. 
I want coaches in this area to not just be good coaches, but be good people. Right. And I Absolutely. think that we've got some very, very good people coaching the, the young kids of the Eastern Panhandle. No, I think so, too. I would agree with that. And that's an interesting uh, quote that um, you got to shop for what you want or whatever it was. It was interesting because, I mean, yes, that is, I mean, inherently going to happen as soon as this, well, now that this transfer portal thing is open. But what do you think? Text us 304-263-4321. We only got a few minutes to get, we have to get to this final break. But, oh, was I devastated when I flipped on ESPN yesterday oh. and the breaking headline was Brenton Doyle running, running to uh, left center field to oh. rob a home run. He goes up, it hits in his glove, but his knee jams into the fence. He goes down and looks like he's in incredible pain, gets carted off. The uh, Colorado Rockies end up winning the game seven to six, but man, Brenton Doyle out and it doesn't look very good. And it just, oh man, that sucks when you see that because he's just getting started up there. He's playing such good ball right now, turning into a, a, a cornerstone in that outfield of this young outfield for the Rockies. But man, that's a tough injury to see. Uh, yeah, that was rough. That was absolutely awful. I remember you sending that to us. And I was thinking, no way, no way. I went and saw it and oh, it's just. Awful. It was a homer hit by Jorge Soler of the Marlins. He went to go on the on the wall at Coors, just went down, just holding his right knee. And it, it's awful to see in a guy that's really impressed in his first year in the majors in a month. He's already proven he can hit for average. His average has been going up. He can hit the home run, steal bases, play good in the outfield. It's it's a it's a really bad time to get an injury. I think is the biggest takeaway I have out of it. And it's it's just sad because he'd been playing so well. It's a great story, great local story of a guy that's worked hard, gets to the majors at age 25, and looks like he's going to be a really good piece in the Rockies outfield for the future. Now with this injury, I don't want to speculate if it was an ACL, meniscus. Hopefully it's not as bad as it looked on the camera, but it looked pretty rough with him getting carted off. Where does this leave Brenton Doyle next? Is it going to be a long road to recovery? Now he has to fight the injury bug, which could be a question if the Rockies want to invest in him long term, which I, I hate saying that. It sounds awful, yeah. but it's the truth. Well, I mean, it's just kind of the risk you play when you're an aggressive center fielder exactly. like that. You know, years exactly. of watching Jim Edmonds do it for the Cardinals. You know, he's trying to earn a spot on the team by putting his body on the line, and that's exactly the kind of the risk you pay. Hopefully, the Rockies do right by him, regardless of what the injury. He has an opportunity to remain in the mix because he didn't do anything wrong. Especially like you said, he started to raise his batting average. Was one of the most consistent steal threats in Major League Baseball. Was starting to throw, show some power. And over his stretch of games, I'd be hard pressed. I'd have to go look at the Statcast data. Hard pressed to say that there was a better defensive center fielder in baseball than him because he made top ten plays several times. Unfortunately, yeah. this time he makes it the ESPN for the wrong reasons. But hopefully, the Rockies will do right from him on the other side of this injury, which, like you said, hope is minor and not incredibly severe. Because there's so many things to like about him as a prospect, not just because he's a local guy. Um, and it, it's a shame that one of those things is the amount of effort that he puts into playing the game of baseball, and that's what's going to cost him the next couple of games of his career, but hopefully he can rebound and, and come back stronger. It's tough to see a kid that um, relies on his speed and his athleticism go down with a knee injury like that, making a crazy athletic play where he almost still robbed uh, Soler of that. Well, I think he had it in his glove, didn't he? And yeah. Until yeah. That, that collision. Yeah, until he hit the wall, then it uh, flipped out. But get in touch with us, 304-263-4321 is the text line. We'll be back to wrap things up and get Parker's picks on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network.
Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Winter, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. It was a great night last night, and I, for once, am I, I am okay with going two for two for three because Tatum's A-plus rebounds did hit. He got exactly eight, so that was a great pull yesterday. Get that line for us. The Jimmy Butler under seven and a half total first quarter points paid out as well, but the only thing we missed was Miami plus eight in the spread. I thought it was going to be a little bit closer of a game in game five, but, I, you know, for my fandom's sake, I, I'm happy with that one. I'll take it, and we'll move on from there. I'm glad for the blowout yesterday. It was good, and good good vibes to Celtics fandom today is the way I'm feeling. But let's move in today's Friday Parker's Picks. Got a couple baseball and some WNBA action for today in Parker's Whoa. Picks. Today's lock of the day is going to be Ronald Acuna getting two-plus total bases in the Phillies-Braves matchup. If you weren't able to catch that game yesterday, guys, there was like five home runs in that Phillies-Braves game yesterday. I think two were from Austin Riley. I think Acuna gets two total bases today. He's a threat. He's one of the fastest players in baseball. He can get a double. He can get a couple singles, and he can hit a home run, too. My pick today for the National League MVP, he's been having such a great season. Ronald Acuna Jr., two-plus total bases today is today's lock of the day in the Braves-Phillies matchup. It's in Atlanta. The first pitch for that one is going to be 720. Also, Chris for Morrell, guys. We got to talk about Chris for Morrell. Have you guys been hearing about this guy? He has been absolutely crushing it for the Chicago Cubs. I think he has like more home runs than strikeouts, I think, and since he got called up. He's been playing absolutely fantastic ball. I got him going two-plus total bases. It's a plus 150. It's going to be Reds and Cubs. I like Morrell to get two-plus total bases. He can get a couple singles. He can hit a home run. I feel good for Morrell's chances today to make something happen. Hunter Green's on the mound for the Reds, so that might raise a little bit of concern. He throws a just a scorcher of a fastball. But I like Christopher Morrell's chances against the Reds today. Again, the Reds are one of the worst teams in baseball. I'd say somewhere in the top five. So I like Morrell's chances. And as well as I got the local Washington Mystics getting the win against the Chicago Sky today. That game is at 8 o'clock. The Mystics are favored by three points on the spread. If you want to choose that one, go for it. But I'm going to take them straight up on the money line tonight. I've got Acuna, two-plus total bases, is today's lock of the day. Christopher Morrell of the Cubs, two-plus total bases. And I've got the Mystics getting the win over the Chicago Sky. Man. You're way in on early WNBA, WNBA basketball action, huh? Rolling for it. I mean, the season just started, what, a couple days ago? I think last weekend, right? Yeah. Brittany Griner, um, didn't she kind of complain that the, the arena wasn't um, sold out because it was her first game back? Didn't she come out and say that? I wouldn't have if I was her. Oh, yeah, that's kind of yeah. brutal. But she played well. She is fun to watch. When she gets going, I mean, she just takes over WNBA games. It's pretty incredible. But there's some, uh, some, there's some significant athletes in the WNBA right now. Uh, and some height too. What's the? Uh, oh, I just forgot her name, and I'm not gonna have time. Well, the the Asian lady that's yeah. playing in the league, six foot ten. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. She was standing next to that. What's a INSQ or yeah, however yeah, she's six foot one. <laughs> uh-huh. And it, it was unbelievable. <laughs> it was crazy. And, and to your point, Griner's averaging 21 points exactly in the first three games. She's averaging 21, eight, and uh, an assist a game as well. She takes over, man. But INSQ, she's fun to watch out there. The WNBA is fun, man. When you catch a good game. Uh, well, it's like the NBA too. It's like any basketball game. When you catch a good game, man, they are fun to watch, and those crowds get pretty get pretty bananas in some of these big uh, WNBA towns. 
Yeah, yeah. they do. I mean, they've got a, a kind of a cult following that's uh, that makes it really fun. Uh, and I, I try to jump in towards the end of the season and watch the postseason because mm-hmm. uh, there is a lot going on. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a fun league to spend the time. It, it's one of those things that you don't necessarily go out of your way to watch it, but when you catch a game that's on, you sit down, and you really have a fun time. Well, like you said, it's a tough time of the year, man. We're right here at the Stanley Cup Finals are going on, the NBA Finals going on. You got right in the heart of uh, MLB baseball. I mean, it's a tough time of the year for um, for WNBA, WNBA basketball. But real quick, uh, Chelsea had a tough one yesterday, didn't they, Luke? They did. They got stomped by Man uh. City 4-1. Uh, towards the end of the pan- – uh, I'm sorry, Man United. Ooh, yeah. I don't want to get in that trouble. <laughs> um, towards the end of the Premier League season, and Manchester uh, City has a chance to to win the league, to win a cup, and win uh, the Champions League. So, fun end of the There's soccer season coming down as well. So, yeah, they, they, they did the trouble. And uh, Chelsea is going to – have to majorly rebuild going into yeah. next season with uh, with a new head coach. You know, say it. I was watching. I watched maybe a quarter of the first half of that game and literally didn't recognize a single person on Chelsea team, <laughs> which is crazy, crazy to me. He went with a weird lineup. Yeah. Well, you can always get in touch with us three zero four two six three four three two one if you missed any shooter day. You can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. It's Friday. What we uh, what are we looking forward to this weekend tonight? We got any uh, action to keep an eye on? Doing anything fun? Um, well, for the weekend, Game 6 in that Celtics Heat series is Saturday, and we're going to be going out to that uh, showcase for the Big Five for the EPAC this afternoon, which will be fun. I believe it's going to from 10 to 2 this afternoon. It's going to be a fun time seeing all the teams' little preview, and yeah, it's just about it pretty much. Do you see Tony Jefferson became a scout for the Ravens, by the way? No. Yeah, he just became a scout. I did see a bunch of uh, Brian Walker minicamp picks pop up. Though. There, there we go. go. It had been a while. Been, I was a little concerned because it had been yeah. a while since we had some some B-Walk content. And there was one one picture that looked like um, he was taking a handoff out of the backfield. So I was like, Ooh, hmm. I can see him playing fullback, honestly. Fullback B-Walk? Interesting. But that'll about do it for us for today. Again, if you missed any show, listen back to it a little bit later on. Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page for Parker and Luke. I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a great weekend. Uh, we'll talk to you on Monday live from Memorial Park for the Pancakes for Polio Breakfast. Well, I got me a fine wife. I got me old fiddle. When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle. And life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle. Thank God I'm a country boy. When the work's all done and the sun's setting low, pull out my fiddle and I'm rosin up the bow. The kids are a sweet, so I keep it kind of low. Thank God I'm a country boy. I'd play Sally Gooden all day if I could, but the Lord and my wife wouldn't think it very good. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.